Hello, my name is Maxine and I'm one of the trainers at the International College of Professional Celebrant and I'm a practising celebrant. And hello everybody, my name is Julie Baseka and I too work with ICPC as it will be known hereafter um, and I too am a working celebrant. So we're here today, Julie, aren't we, to talk about personality traits and what personality traits it's um, useful for a celebrant to have, because celebrancy isn't really suited to everybody. And I think it's important for us to talk about um, the personality traits that make a celebrant successful to make sure that people are sure when they take that step. Um, it's, a, it's a really specialised discipline, isn't it? And um, with the right training and the right personality traits, you can be an absolutely brilliant celebrant. So we're here to talk about them. Um, I kind of wanted to start off with motivation. What, why do you think it's important, Julie, for a celebrant to, to remain motivated or to be motivated? Well, like any business that you're running for yourself as a self-employed person, motivation is key. You have to know each day what you want to achieve. And you, it's always advisable that if you can, to try and do something to move your business forward a little bit every day. And that way, success breeds success. And if you do those first actions, it starts the ball rolling and then you start to see the outcome from those actions and then they lead further on. So motivation is like what the, the step one of what you need to be a self-employed celebrant. I think you're right. And, and you have to keep motivated, don't you? Because like any other business, when you first start out, um, it can feel a little bit tough, can't it? Especially if you haven't work for yourself so um you might not get your first wedding for instance and um uh, I don't think I'm not sure if I got my first wedding couple or not but you speak to celebrants who said oh you know I've had a call and it didn't go so well um, and sometimes it's 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 hard to keep motivated but you have to don't you because you as you have these different experiences you, you learn don't you and you can apply all of these learnings and, and, and stay motivated um, even on days when sometimes you, you don't feel like it and I think that's what's great about um, celebrants supporting each other, because you're going to have those moments where you don't quite achieve what you want to achieve because nobody does all the time. And to have the support of your group that you've trained with, perhaps, or your cohort or your celebrant that your celebrants you're connected with in your area and to share those uh, moments of when you might need that little bit more motivation of, don't let that get you down. Think about all the ones you do get, you know, and so on. And also to celebrate the wins. Absolutely. That also is brilliant for, for keeping motivated and keeping moving forward. How do you stay motivated, Max? Um, well, I've got a really good network of celebrants because sometimes if you're feeling a little unmotivated, your other half might not get it so I think it's really important to have a network of celebrants they can give you tips they can help you out and I certainly found that when I was first starting is to surround myself by knowledge and um, using that knowledge to think about what's going to work for me and what's not going to work for me um, and you know if I've had a difficult day you reach out to the people that you trust don't you to spur you on so that's what I did yeah, I think that's excellent. I think other halves are good, you know, for a lot of the time for <laughs> Bless <talking> them. <laughs> to. But actually, you know, we walk the path, haven't we, as celebrants? So we know we know how important the role is and we are excited about ceremonies and we want to do a free ceremony we ever can do. So um yes, we 
we do need to share those experiences with our colleagues and um, see what they say about things. And, you know, they can come up with ideas for you to improve and move your business forward. So um, I, I definitely recommend a collaborative approach rather than a competitive approach. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm with you all the way. The other thing I wanted to talk about is communication, because in essence, we are communicators, aren't we? If you think about funerals, we are communicating um, a person, a person's life um, to, to the mourners, and we're communicating a, a couple's love. Um, and in order to do that, we've got to communicate effectively in several other areas, don't we? We have to do that with the funeral directors, our couples, the venues that we work with, the suppliers that we work with. Um, and it's important, isn't it, to have a, the right style um, to do that. What are your thoughts on that? The right style, that's an interesting phrase, because obviously we've all got different styles. We do. We, perhaps uh, um, an even better phrase might be that we are we're able to clearly communicate mm. that each of us it may having different styles but would also not be worried about picking up the phone and you know having that relationship with people getting rapport clearly communicating what we want to know from people or what we can offer people and sometimes that takes a little bit of bravery um, to be a clear communicator because we know in our heads oh well I would say that and I would say it, but but doing it of making that appointment clearly communicating with a venue or with your clients with a funeral director whoever you're dealing with even with each other clearly communicating what our needs are or what we would like to offer um, is a skill it, and it's part of our personalities whether we can do that however I do think that we can learn those tricks to communicate clearly, do absolutely. you? Mm, absolutely. And I think when people come to training, they're very often nervous about how to start a conversation um, with a bereaved family, for instance. What do mm. you say? How how are, how are you able to be empathetic and professional and actually get the information that you need in order to pull a service together? And I don't know if you found that, but, but I think people are quite often nervous about doing that but we approach that in our training don't we we do um interviewing techniques are a whole different subject area it's still part of communication but knowing how to use different techniques to elicit information is key to an interview and in that particular instance especially working with the bereaved uh, is quite an art form to to do it gently enough to encourage information, to, to ask those really good questions which pour out information to you to really discover who the deceased was. Yes, absolutely. And I think we see big improvements during the course of a week oh, when people do come. So when they first come, there's often a worry, isn't it? That mm. they, they might not be able to do that. And then by the time that they've practiced it and thought about it and written the questions down, created a questionnaire, it starts to become second nature. And of course, once we we train as celebrants and we're out there become, you know, being a celebrant, the more times we do it, the easier it gets. That's right. And written communication is really important, isn't it? I'm thinking particularly about um, working with funeral directors. So what happens when they uh, ask you if you can do a funeral and you've said yes? There's a lot of written communication after that. And it's about being super professional and super clear, isn't it, in your written communication um, when you're when you're with a funeral director? 
and respond and responding quite quickly yes quickly. so that's all part of good communication is that you if you're if you're leaving somebody behind and they're waiting for an email or they're waiting for a phone phone call it starts to cause anxiety especially in in the situation of arranging a funeral that's true where, People are in a bit of a fog and they don't know how things are going to proceed or how quickly or what they need to be doing for you to get in touch really quickly and to communicate that we're that safe pair of hands and we're going to see them through that process. We're going to help them. We're going to hold their hands all the way through it and they're not to worry about a thing. That kind of communication is so helpful to somebody who's feeling bereft and confused and all over the place, quite frankly. Um, likewise, with weddings, you have a lot of anxieties. You've done a lot of weddings, Max, haven't you? And yes. uh, you must know about this, this, this need to know that you're on it and all is going to be well has to be communicated. I think so. And I think, I think setting the scene right from the first time you meet someone before they've even booked you is that they're in a safe pair of hands, that mm -hmm. they will get the ceremony delivered to them um, I always say four weeks before so that they can go off and worry about their family and friends and all other things. So being able to communicate that professionalism um, and that care from, you know, from day one, I think is really important uh, equally in any type of ceremony at all. Um, I'm just going to move on now because we talked about communication and, and ways to communicate verbally, especially, I think we were talking about, which kind of leads me on to empathy. Um, now, as, an, as a settlement, you deal with lots of different situations, don't you? Some are happy, um, some are sad. Um, you come across grieving families who don't know where they are. Um, but even in, in weddings, you, know, you, you really have to think about um, aligning with the couple or aligning with the family and having um, empathy. So, for example, sometimes there are there are conflicts, aren't they, when you go and see a family about what they want in a funeral? Absolutely. And they're probably the most difficult. And I mm. think as celebrants, we have to remember who our client is, who the chief mourner is, and also be prepared to wait and listen, you know, actively listening during those things and having some of those skills to listen, summarise, and help the conversation move on to resolve conflict. Yes, you're quite right. That all ties in, doesn't it, with being empathetic, empathetic to, to where people are at and how you as a celebrant can move things forward to creating a, a, a ceremony that will that will be, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of, that, that will meet all of their needs, mm. like remembering that the chief mourner is your client. And that's something we we cover in training as well from, you know, what do you say when when the family first opens the door to you or how, yes. how do you get a couple to sort of be bought into you and what you can do for them and the use of language and questions. Um, and also we, we, we really talk about what not to do because sometimes people can get a little mistaken about, you know, things that they might say to a family that are helpful or unhelpful and um, that's something we cover as well we do um you can't really teach empathy but you can teach things that are good to say and things are not good to say 
But I think that's why we attract a lot of people from caring industries. We, mm. we attract people from social work, from um, medical nursing backgrounds, from teaching, from, from all those caring um, professions where the, the, the empathy and listening and the communication skills can be transferred across to celebrancy. Mm. And I think that's why a lot of people will progress from those professions to becoming very good celebrants because they have that empathy within their personalities. Absolutely. And there are, let's, I think people often talk about the empathetic um, celebrant, what celebrants do for their family um, or for their couples. Um, but underneath that, you're running a business, aren't you? And you've, you kind of have to get from A to B. You have to get from a funeral director ringing you up and asking you if you can um, give a service or a couple asking if you can take a, a, a ceremony for them. Um, so you've really got to be focused on delivering. And I think sometimes when uh, people are thinking about becoming celebrants, that's not always the at the front of their mind, is it? No, I guess it isn't. And quite often, as we've just been talking about, the kind of professions they have come from have not been their own businesses. They've worked for, you know, for big, um, either big corporations or institutions, which has directed their lives. And they haven't had to be self-employed. So when you be, when you become a celebrant and you're running your own celebrant business, you have to have um, that sort of be solution orientated. How am I going to do this? How am I going to get to my target of, let's imagine it's a, one funeral a week? Mm. That's what I'm, my target is. I want to do one funeral a week and I want to do six weddings in my first year. Let's just say that as an example. How then do I get to that point? How do I resolve that? How do I get the bookings? And I think when you train, that's when you start to really, really find out how, what actions you have to take in order to get to that situation coming from being a nurse or a teacher, you haven't had to do that before. And I think that, um, I mean, I've come from a teaching background. Luckily, I also had some business knowledge, but I think a lot of teachers who come into celebrancy haven't had to do that. How about for yourself, Max? Did you? Well, I'm I'm from a commercial background where everything was basically solution orientated, but it is very different um, when you go from working with a lot of people um, to working on your own yeah. and, and you have to sort of how is it put put your big person's pants on and <laughs> get on with it and find a solution because in the end of the day you're delivering and it's not just only about um you know get getting the the ceremony delivered on the day it's sometimes on the day and we sometimes we've really got to think on our feet haven't we we can turn up at venues things are in the wrong place the people who are supposed to be there aren't there things are missing and um, because it's a it's a it's a thing of many parts a wedding isn't it and we talk about um, how to be prepared for weddings and prepared for funerals um, so that if things do go wrong you're, you're able to to manage them up and um, and make the day perfect. That's quite right and in, in training we spend quite a bit of time talking about pre-ceremony checks things we need to make sure that are in place um, and if their problems do come along, what kind of problem solving techniques 
do we need being like that swan who seems <laughs> right. so graceful above the water and is. you're paddling like crazy under the water that's often how you have to be as a celebrant um so problem solving skills being solutions oriented orientated are definitely key qualities i think um to be a successful celebrant absolutely and i think the one that we're going to finish with really is being organized there is there are a lot of moving parts to being a celebrant I mean once you've trained you have to get out there you have to market yourself you've got to network you've got to manage your uh, social media um, and quite often you're juggling multiple clients so for instance I've got four weddings in September so I've got to think really carefully about how um, I make sure that each of those are delivered. The couples are getting the attention that they need. Um, I'm liaising with all the wedding suppliers. And as you know, um, I live by my Outlook calendar. <laughs> and I know sometimes people think it's a bit sad, but that's the way that I manage it because I have so many of these things on if I didn't. Um, you know, I, I don't want to let anybody down or miss anything. So organisation um is really important and by the same tone you're a you're an ops director so organization's your business isn't it yeah but I'm not I don't think I'm as organized as you are and I have my (laughs) own way Uh, I'm still very much a to-do list person and I think that's probably quite old-fashioned these days there's lots of tech versions of that but it works for me um I keep folders, I keep digital and physical folders for every ceremony I do because I like to have the paper thing and I yeah. know that um, I get laughed at for having for having that. But uh, it's just uh, a way that suits me. And I think as individuals, we we have to have those preferred styles. Yes. Um, if you're, you know, if you're IT savvy and everything's digital for you, brilliant. But if you are more like me and you like to have things written down in paper diaries and in folders and, you know, making notes on things, then that too can work perfectly well. So I don't want people to be put off by the fact they've got to be, you know, these wonderful IT literate people to be organised. You don't. You can do it the old fashioned way. And there's I mean, that's one genuine concern, isn't it, when people come into training is that, um, you know, according to uh, their experiences, what they've done for a living, what their jobs or their day-to-day lives involve. Um, Some people are more tech-savvy than others, and it is quite often a big worry, isn't it? So I think the the key is whatever way works for you, um, use it. Don't feel intimidated. Don't feel like you have to use somebody else's method. Just ensure that your method works, so that you're organised and you're not taking your your eye off the ball um, and I think that's absolutely right the same as there are lots of different styles of celebrants um, all celebrants do things in their own way um, and it's important that it does something you do it in the way that works for you otherwise you won't want to do it and I'm, I'm sure you know that with a teaching background yeah I do um, and I think you know there, there are probably a lot more qualities than the five we've talked about today but those five if, if you're listening to this and you think well actually yes you know I think I am quite a motivated person and I'm reasonably organized and yes I can resolve problems I have an empathetic heart um, and I communicate quite clearly then this could be the perfect uh, career move for you so um, if you think, yes, tick, 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 and if you've got like four of them, but you think I probably need developing on one or two things, don't forget that in the training, we cover all of this. 
and people do grow a lot during the course of the training week. They do. It's a wonderful thing to watch, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. Well, thank you for spending time with me today, Julie. I think that's it's really useful because we've highlighted some of the things that people really, really should be thinking about when becoming a celebrant. Um, and I just like to add that we are here if people want to talk about it in more detail. We've got a great team who've got a lot of experience and people can just contact the International College of Professional Celebrants if they want to know more. But thank you very much, Julie. It's been thank a joy. You. And thanks for mentioning that. I think support after you've trained is equally as important and we're very happy to give it so thank you Maxine that's absolutely you're welcome Julie thank you bye-bye